1: Hello and welcome to Baseball BarbaCast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows the Texas Rangers will be unveiling Shohei Ohtani at today's parade. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and why not knock out two birds with one stone? Wow, yeah, let's just get it over with.
0: Who needs the anticipation and the hype? Let's just keep this party going for the Texas Rangers franchise and give Shohei Ohtani I, who knows how much money they'd be willing to give him when we've seen the money that they have already spent. But no, we are going to delay our Otani and offseason uh, conversations, at least for one more episode on this Friday edition of Baseball BarbaCast. We are going to reflect a little bit more on the Rangers' first ever World Series. Talk a little bit about the Snakes. We didn't talk about the Snakes uh, after Game 5. We should give them some some props and some reflection on their incredible run. Uh, And then we will uh, bid adieu and wish you a wonderful weekend. But Jake, where would you like to begin this bigger picture Rangers reflection? First of all, as some people I know were wondering, uh, because we talked about this last episode, it was not a joke. Jake did indeed lose his wallet. And that made him trying to get home a little bit more of a dramatic storyline than we would have liked. Not to mention what would have happened if Arizona had won game five and he had to make it to Dallas uh, and then home. But no, you did make it home, and, and I'm looking at you sitting uh, back uh,
1: in in the in the desk chair that you have not that you have vacated for the last month. Turns out, if you ask nicely, they'll just let you on the plane. No, it was a lot more complicated than that. But I did eventually end up on my plane, and I am back home in my apartment, and I am thankful to press resume mm-hmm. on my normal life, and I am even more grateful that I had the experience of covering an entire postseason. I am lucky. And I was able to do that. And we will reflect on the month that was later. But let's begin with the parade. Hmm. Today okay. is the parade yep. for the Texas Rangers. They earned this parade. We have never been to a parade. I think the World Series parade is, in some ways, the last major baseball thing that you and I have never experienced in person. We have done all-star games opening days, home run derbies. We have watched baseball games in other countries, minor leagues, big leagues. We have really never done the parade.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's that high up on the list uh, of things that I, I mean, again, like we think about in the context of our own team, because I don't know how desperately I need to see a parade of another team, but it is a unique thing. And we will uh, see it. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, you can probably watch some of the footage. Now, uh, And honestly, like, I don't really want to talk about this much because I have no idea what the hell this is going to look like. Although the route does make it seem uh, kind
1: of funny relative to other parades. So the route makes it hard not to dunk on. And again, we're happy for Rangers fans. It's a it's a real team. It's a real organization with a real team culture. We're not dunking on that. But they are driving in a circle around a series of parking lots and stadiums in Arlington. That's I, that's kind of where they are. That's <laughs> I mean. where the stadium is, and yep. if you look at the map, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there are there is no real like main street or landmarks, mm-hmm. and that is where they are. Um, and I'm sure it will actually make the parade pretty easy to see mm-hmm. because they can kind of plan it and build it how they want.
0: Yeah. So, well, and there's probably going to be so many people there because yeah. there's so much space to stand, <laughs> unlike the main downtown streets of some other <laughs> major metropolitan cities. So I'm sure there will be a ton of people there. And I think if there's anything we've you know we've learned, and honestly, even just kind of thinking about the Rangers adjacent people that we've come to know over the last decade as we've, you know, been in the baseball world. There's, this is the thing. Okay, sure. Maybe downtown Arlington, whatever that means, doesn't, you know, inspire the most amount of uh, culture and creativity and just, you know, soul, but you know what? There are a lot of freaking people from this area and there are a yeah. lot of people that have cared about the team for a long time. And I'm sure the turnout will reflect that. Who gets the drunkest of the players? There's an easy pick. It's besides Austin Hedges? It is Austin Hedges. Who yeah. gets the second? Yeah, I mean record. Scherzer I think is still just when we've seen how how hard he's been able to go, but he will still like he still has to like he still has kids that he has to like Sort of like somewhat respectfully represent, <laughs> and I'm sure his <laughs> lovely wife is probably keeping him somewhat uh, under control, all things considered. But um, Austin Hedges, uh, again, I, maybe I don't know his family situation, but I, as far as I know, he will be the, the leader of of the, the the ultimate hype man, as he's been all
1: all uh, postseason. Corey Seeger will have to speak today, much mm-hmm. to his chagrin, and I I'm assume sure he, he will.
0: I, I mean if they respect his
1: wishes it's possible he won't even grab the microphone. No way. I mean honestly <laughs> that would be the funniest outcome would be Corey Seager not like by winning the MVP of the World Series and carrying this team to a title. Yep. His reward is not speaking. Yeah, you're at the probably parade. right.
0: I assume we will hear from him in some in some capacity and I think that I know you wanted to talk about again like Corey Seager as the face of this team in, in more ways than one. He is one of the most amazing baseball players uh, we have. And that was proven this postseason. That's been proven over the course of his career. When the guy's been healthy, he's been one of the 10 best players in the sport. That's been pretty clear. And for him to do this again, have another epic postseason run that ends in a title that is definitively his. You know, when yes. the Dodgers finally won, yes, he was a big part of it with the LCS and MVP and World Series MVPs. But he wasn't the first person we were thinking about, right? There were other members of the Dodgers, of course, with Clayton Kershaw, and just generally things that he was not front and center in the same way that he is now.
1: And 2020 was such a bizarre experience that it warps all of it. 100%. I had that quote in a feature I wrote about Seager this year where one of his teammates said that Seager wants to win a real one, and he wants to win it again and again and again. Well, now he has the real one. I was on the field when he was gifted, gifted, given the World Series trophy. And it made me remember of uh, the time when Rob Manfred handed it to him and the microphone was all messed up. And it looked like Rob forgot how to speak English for three minutes. Remember that? Yeah. Well, there's been a few versions of this. And I think the basic
0: answer is basically he has an earpiece in and sometimes the audio yeah. is not syncing up with the stadium audio and the TV audio and all those things. And at the same time, he's still managing to like voice crack more than you would assume <laughs> someone yeah. who speaks publicly
1: as often as the commissioner does, but this wasn't quite as bad. But I would like to talk about Seeger as the face of this team. Yeah. And I think there is a grumpy take to have that I'm not going to have, but I'm going to present it first. <laughs> okay. And that is Corey Seager being purposefully and intentionally boring while being paid $330 million to be the face of a franchise is a disservice to the league, the sport, and his franchise. Okay, This is not your take. Let's be not fair. my take. How okay. do you feel about that take? <laughs> I was going to
0: say like, oh, Chris, just clip that and tweet that. And then how that's not Jake's take. That would be the all-time take. taken out of context of your own podcast. Uh, what do I think about that? Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's just the same version of something we've already said about other players. Sometimes it's they different, say, though. Say, well, I mean, I, I feel like it's the same genre of conversation where it's like, As, oh, if, if only Mike Trout was more interesting. No, it's oh. I, I think it's the
1: same genre of conversation. Here, Why is it different? I mean, to me, it's the same. It's the same thing. Mike Trout, when he plays baseball on the mm-hmm. field, is smiling and looks like he's enjoying the sport. I agree. I'm not
0: saying Mike Trout is the same thing. I still think that the general, like. Con- like the concept of that complaint and saying it's a disservice and a problem for the league is still
1: the exact same thing as far as I understand I again not my take. Mike Trout plays ball. he does not have a second level of charisma mm-hmm. right he is not opting in and playing a care a boring character. everything that we know about Corey Seeger seems like he I'm not saying he is you know the world's most interesting man underneath the hood mm-hmm. but there's another level there. That he is hiding away from us. Mm. That is the sense that you get when you're talking to people. And I find it, I think it is a very interesting choice that he has made to be this type of person publicly. Mm. He must believe that it serves him the best to be an incredible baseball player and accomplish the things he wants to accomplish. But it is bizarre when you're sitting and interviewing this man and he is like doing everything he can to give you the most boring answer. Every single moment. Now, let me say why I don't agree with the take I presented before, (laughs) right? Okay. Being that spectacular at the sport is in and of itself enough. If he was a three-win player, it would be different. He is not that. He is legitimately one of the best five hitters in the world. He just did enough on the field to bring a city, a title for the first time. No one in the city of Arlington or surrounding areas gives a flying ass how interesting this man is, nor should they. And Corey Seeger, in the same way that we talk about Trout, does a lot to keep baseball fans baseball fans. He is not advertising, right? He is not, no one is like, watching a Corey Seager interview or clip and being like, I'm going to get into this sport now, right? But he is keeping people who think and love baseball interested. And there is legitimate value in that. Um, I did love how there were a couple of articles from friends of ours and people we like about how, oh, Corey Seager won. He can finally let loose. I, and he, he <laughs> and did it.
0: Great. Like he did. I doubt he it. did not. <laughs> that's where it's like you saying, Oh, he's hiding something from us. Like maybe I would love to be proven wrong on that front. Like I agree with, with most of what you're saying. I do think that again, kind of broadening it to how we kind of reflect on this Rangers team and the point that, yeah, nobody cares how interesting Corey Seager is that he was brought in uh, with all for all this money and all these years to, to do this, to literally be exactly what he was brought in to do. Right. And you could extend that to, a lot of the people that the Rangers have have aggressively pursued over the last few years, whether that is Marcus Semyon to pair with Corey Seager, Semyon also not the most explosive personality, but you know what he does? He plays baseball every single day and he's very good on both sides of the ball. And you knew exactly what you were getting. And that's, that's why you pay the big bucks. And that's why he has clearly elevate, helped elevate this franchise. It takes a lot. As we learned with the Rangers, it took so many different versions of these things to come together and create this moment. Yeah. you. If they had only had, you know, Seeger and Semyon and none of the pitching, you got 2022. <laughs> if you had only had Nathan Eovaldi and Jordan Montgomery and you didn't have Semyon and Seager, there's no freaking chance you're making the postseason, right? Right. All these different things had to come together. And that's why we keep commending them because... It was just a relentless pursuit. It was such a level of aggression that we truly have not seen from any other team besides, I guess, the Padres um, in terms of just there's no there's no holding back. Like that is not something we've seen from from very many. teams. I mean, even if you talk about some of the other Dombrowski teams, right, some of the the Phillies teams like, yeah, the, I think the Phillies also fit in that in that group. And we've seen how close they've come because of it. But it's just so rare. And they've done it to go from where they were to to
1: where they are now so quickly is really what highlights that and Seekers a huge part of it. I think the Phillies and the Padres and the Mets, they're all examples of how hard it is to do what the Rangers did. Mm-hmm. You know, the Phillies went out over the offseason and gave a lot of money to Taiwan Walker and he threw zero pitches during the postseason. Yeah. Whereas, you know, uh, the Rangers went out and got Andrew Heaney and Nady Valdi for much less. Money. I can't
0: believe. I mean, the Iovaldi contract in it's retrospect, crazy. and I know crazy. he he struggled, and and it was again like I can't Evaldi, I just can't stop thinking about because what he did in this postseason was both like yeah, of course, like we knew he was capable of that, and also that that he, it could all come together. I mean, it basically balanced out the degree to which they did not get Max Scherzer. Now the actual investment was way less, you know. The money that they're paying Scherzer and still paying Scherzer and trading Luis on Acuna for Scherzer is, let alone, you know, what they trade for Ray Montgomery and everything. But two years, 34 for this guy is an unbelievable signing and one that they were able to do because they were not slowing down. There were, of course, there were other teams that could have had Nadia Evaldi for two years, 34 million, but the Rangers were like, yeah, let's get another one. Because who knows how many of these guys are getting hurt? Who knows how many things are going to go wrong? Yeah. And that's why they deserved the performance
1: that he eventually gave them. Evaldi got asked this question in his introductory press conference when they signed him. It was like, were they uh, the Rangers signed Grom and Heaney. Uh, did you really think you were still going to go? And he was like, nope, I did not. But my, my agent called and said, here's the deal. And I said, yes, please. Yeah. And Martin Perez, right? Like, there were so many things,
0: let alone they already had John Gray. They already had all these things. There was no point at any point did the Rangers think, okay, we've had enough. Except I will say, as we also begin to reflect on some of the other parts of this roster with the bullpen, (laughs) because while they did, they went out and got Chapman a month plus before the deadline. That was another sign, you know, of aggression and whatnot. And we saw how that kind of worked out for better or for worse. But otherwise, the whole when we started the postseason, even when they barely made it in and almost choked it at the end, we're like, there's no shot this bullpen's going to make it to the end. And then Josh Spores was like, actually, I'm the best reliever you've ever seen. And then sometimes that happens because sometimes relievers have amazing months. That, that happens all the time in baseball. And in this case, it happened in the playoffs.
1: I want to hop back to one more Seager thing. The question he was asked about the Dodgers um, <laughs> during the press conference.
0: It was like the first, wasn't it literally the first question? Or No, it was. The- oh, okay. Okay.
1: It was like right in the middle.
0: Oh, okay. he was. it looked like there was like someone coming in at the same time. So the clip makes it look like he had like just sat down. But okay. So t- tell people, for those that didn't see it, tell people what happened.
1: So I was in the room for this. Uh, the, Eovaldi was coming in at the time. Like Eovaldi was entering and sitting next to him to do the next press conference. Um, Seeger was asked by a member of the media, basically, the question I keep getting, people keep texting me, is why did the Dodgers let you go? And it's the type of question that I'm not sure what you want Seeger to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think what is, about
0: that a lot in a lot of press conferences, to be honest. Um, but especially in this case,
1: I actually love how he handled it, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And the way Seeger handled it, and I wanted to give Seeger credit here. See, the way Seeger handled this horrible question displays a level of self-awareness and tact that he has that I think we don't always get to see. He essentially looks at the person who asked the question, chuckles, and moves on to the next question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also like, this question...
0: It's just so... I don't want to stick on this for too long. But it would even make more sense, like, had they won last year. Like, I, the Dodgers... I, I'm just, I haven't thought about Corey yeah. Seager and the Dodgers as a relationship at all. Like, I've thought about how the Rangers gave him all this money. And like, that's, but I haven't thought about it as like this massive Dodgers misstep. Because I agree. Guess what? It's also a great example of just like same way that New York people are making everything about the Yankees all the time and the Mets all the time. Like that's, that's one of the most annoying things that we have in media is like, how does this relate to the, to the more famous teams? But like at this stage, like you should absolutely be shrugging off and laughing at that question. Cause it's a complete joke. Like there's so much to say about the Rangers that that's what the question should be about.
1: I think Seeger's answer to this does lend a glimpse to him, like a a better understanding of him. He is simply a task-oriented person. He is overtly and overly professional. And he will do what he needs to do in a moment to complete the task. Mm. Speaking of completing tasks, let's talk about Evan Carter. Evan Carter, who
0: again is a 21-year-old person who is batting third and fourth for the Rangers in this World Series because he proved once he arrived late in the season as one of baseball's top prospects that I think the, the simplest way to put it is that he belonged. His offensive aptitude, his offensive talent and ability and comfort and confidence, regardless of the fact that he was born in 2002, and is about as happy-go-lucky, like, just like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm here, blah, blah, blah. Like, very much, you know, aware of how absurd it is that he's in the World Series. At the same time, he maintains this ethos and this confidence that he doesn't know any better. And because of that, he was very comfortable batting third in the World Series. And it was like, no, it's the big deal. Oh, uh, only Mickey Mantle's done
1: this before? Oh, okay, sure, whatever. I'm just here, doing my part. Someone compared him to Kenneth Parcell from 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. The idea that just, wow, I can't believe I get to have this job. <laughs> uh, except that job again, you
0: know, batting third in the World Series for, for one of the best offenses
1: in, in the league. And one of the things about him that made him fit in with this group is how quickly he was able to pick up the level of professionalism and, you know, task-oriented behavior. Mm-hmm. And this was very much on display. And I think what is one of our favorite moments in World Series celebration history. Yes. Um, as you know, we've seen this. This
0: is all throughout the postseason. You see this during the regular season too. Team gets a big win. Team social media manager hands a phone to the player and says, Hey, like, can you just record a quick selfie video? Like to the fans being like, Hey, Royals fans, like, thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Like, let's go get them tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. We've seen a hundred. There's a billion versions of that. But after the World Series, it's an especially interesting time to be like, hey, players, you just won the World Series. Like, say something to the fans. And there are a bunch of versions of that that the Rangers Twitter account posted. There's, you know, Joan Heim. We got Josh Spores. Like, oh, we did it. Like, thanks, Rangers fans. Love you. Blah, 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 blah. Versions of that. Most of them washed right over me. I never expect the player to say anything. And, and so so many of these clips, as the one that we're about to talk about, are literally five seconds. Yeah. This is not a press conference or even an, uh, you know, a straight-off-the-field interview where you get a minute soundbite. Like, no, this is literally five seconds of a, of a player saying something. And Evan Carter's <laughs> six-second video, as you said, one of the funniest, unintentionally funniest things I have ever seen uh, in, this, in this case. So take a listen to uh, Evan Carter after he just won the World Series.
1: Ranger Nation, let's go. We got it done, but Job's not finished. It's just the first of many. Let's go. Let's keep it rolling. All right. You just so heard it? You heard it. His... You can you can hear the moment in there where he realizes he's not supposed to ha- be enjoying this. He, <laughs> he cannot be satisfied. No. He can't be satisfied. So the idea that <laughs> that Job's not finished, where he is on the field wearing... The 2023 Rangers World Series Championship shirt, and in his mind, he he like cannot present a level of satisfaction. It's so funny. He literally said, "We got it done."
0: Yep. But the job's not finished. Hmm. Evan, my guy, the job you did it. You did it, bro. I know that you. I mean, honestly, what this is is like he's like he doesn't feel like he's accomplished shit because he just fucking got here. He, You know, let alone the Rangers, oh, well, this guy's only been with the Rangers for a couple years. Oh, this guy, you know, the fans, we've talked about this in the last episode, and we'll talk about it a little bit more here. Like, it means so much more to the fans who've waited out years and years and decades and decades. Evan Carter just showed up and won the World Series. And so as far as he's concerned, he's like, oh, well, it's not that hard. Like, let's get some more. Let's win more World Series.
1: But it's funny because he, the way he says it, it almost feels like he thinks there's another level like he will then go Job's play Job's not finished we we have to advance to the
0: Intergalactic series. Nope. Uh, <laughs> this is it, <laughs> like bro, no dude. like dude you you won man like it's the job is <laughs> finished. Like yes you will come back and play again next year. He had another quote. Steph Abstein had a great uh uh story on on Evan Carter and just how his youth kind of manifests within the Rangers clubhouse. And at the end of that story, she uh, she has a great anecdote about how talking about like how he's trying to find where he's gonna live, you know, near the stadium of all these things. And he basically has some version of, I gotta see if I make the team next year. Yeah. He's like something this is something he said like during this postseason run, where he's the only player, the youngest player since Mickey Mantle batting third in the World Series, all that shit, right? He's like, I gotta see if I make the team next year. <laughs> he got some quote from Donnie Ecker being like, the hitting coach being like, pretty pretty sure I think you're going to be on the team, dude. And so I'm going like, to make it. It's like, it's it's so endearing and so funny. It's just so funny. And because again, contrast that with the conversation you described with Robbie Grossman uh, after our post postgame uh, show on, on, on game five, right? Like he doesn't know how not like how hard it is, not just to be a major league hitter. He's already shown like, oh, that's easy. But all of this, dude, this is not easy. And here's the other reality, the, the the bleak reality, is that we might not ever see Evan Carter in a World Series again. <laughs> like, that, who knows? Like, but he in this moment has no clue, and he's
1: like, "Oh, we got it done, but the job's not finished." Evan Raise, raises the question: How many finishes the job? I,
0: exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. What 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 constitutes a job completed for Seven? Evan Carter?
1: Seven titles.
0: I don't even really, right. I guess it's just like when you've won more. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and I guess like, oh, I'm glad he's, you know, still hungry. still, still, so, you know, not sad. But it's like in that moment, like, no, you, you did it. Is it's just funny. Cause when he's talking, he's talking to the fans too. You know, like in theory, it's like, that's his message to the fans is, you know,
1: not one, not two, not three, not four. It's like, no, dude, it's fine. You can enjoy this one. It's going to be all right. Definitely this one, that's okay. Let's take a quick break, Jordan, and when we get back, we'll kind of break up the Raiders roster into a couple different groups of players and think about how we're feeling about them. Commemorate Bruce Bochy, talk about why the ratings were bad, congratulate the man who invented baseball savant, chat about the Diamondbacks, and then say goodbye. Hey,
0: everyone. Producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball cast themed beanie or bucket hat or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's
1: P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball BarbaCast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. The job is not done. We have about 20 minutes more of podcasting. Our job,
0: definitely not done. I will say that message that Evan Carter said, like we could have said that. We could have said, hey, guys, you know, we've been podcasting almost every day during the postseason. You know, we got that done. But the job's not finished because we got a whole offseason ahead. That is very (laughs) true. Much more applicable for us.
1: So Evan Carter, I actually relate to it. Thank you, Evan. Jordan. You have this on our doc. It says three groups of players mm-hmm. in uh, uh, on the Texas Raiders roster. Mm-hmm. Explain me.
0: Yes. So again, as as I sort of hinted at when we when we talk about, I sort of talked about this earlier in the postseason. As the 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 field narrows and as the teams get eliminated, you start picturing baseball players winning the World Series. You picture that moment where the final out is recorded, and you think, as as they say. Uh, when your favorite, you know, soccer player scores for, you know, Blackburn Rovers or whatever, they say, what are the, what are the announcers say? They say, look at what it means to him. Look at what it means look to him. At what, Look at what it means to him, right? Okay, look, look at it, right? That's what I'm thinking. What does it mean to these different players? What is it, and what does it mean to me as someone who watches this player as it associates to this specific team? And as let's far as the Rangers roster
1: goes, yeah. Let's begin with the young core. Which is one of the three groups you have on here, which is, we just explained, it's the Evan Carter, mm-hmm. Josh Young, mm-hmm. Josh Spores. Yep, yep. It's it's guys, it's not just, the, it's, you know, some of them, like Young
0: and Carter, were were homegrown. But guys that haven't been around that long, but have been a part of the, have come up in the Rangers system at a time when the Rangers were not good. And so that's why you also lump in some of the younger players who were acquired during this time. And I think that includes Jonah Haim. I think that yeah. includes Nathaniel Lowe. Guys who who lost all those games two years ago, who were brought in to be that next part of this core and proved to be Mitch Garver too, right? Like who acquired and brought in and said, you are going to bring credibility in, you're going to bring a stable foundation, right? Yeah. For the stars, for the second group that we are now going to talk about, which is, You know, mercenaries is probably a disrespectful term, but for the purposes of this conversation, that's what it is. The guys who it's like, okay, it's go time. These are the guys who are making it possible for us to make it all the way to the World Series and win it. Maybe we use contractors. Is that <laughs> sure. worse or better than Mercer? I don't know. But, you know, that's Simeon. That's Seager. That's Scherzer. That's Iovalli. That's Montgomery, right? These are the people you can find on Angie's list. To <laughs> it's to help just like that. championship. It's the same thing. Uh, and you got, right, like the the, the the high end of, you know, Chapman, right? Of course. Heaney, whatever. These different, even even John Gray, who was like a huge investment for the 22 season. Like, these are the guys like, okay, these will will clearly put us in contender position. And the category that is the smallest on this team and why watching it feels a little bit different than recent World Series champions when you had a Braves team with this, this core that had come up all the way together and finally reached the top. When you have the Nationals, you have someone like Ryan Zimmerman. You have the Dodgers, someone like Clayton Kershaw. You have the Astros who, okay, we know what happened in 17, but you still have a figure in Altuve who's been there forever. Guys like Bregman who had been there the whole time. and Even Jordan. Of, even Jordan, well, sure, right? That person doesn't really exist on this Rangers roster. It's Jose LeClerc, which is a weird one to do. I love Jose Leclerc's story, especially with how much he pitched this postseason and how great he was. And the fact that he's been with the Rangers organization since 2010, that's a really long time, but he's the closest thing we have. It's him and Martin Perez who left in between. So those guys, you mentioned that, that, you know, anecdote about him and, and, you know, Adrian Beltre with the trophy last time, there's not as many of those. And so And and there's also in in the coaching staff, right? Like Bruce Bochy just got here, right? This front office, it's not the same thing. John Daniels is working for the Rays. And I know Chris Young's shouting him out, but John Daniels isn't there either. And so there's fewer of those, which make it a little harder to get super attached. And that's why I became so kind of, over these last couple of days, so focused on the fans and the people around the sport, uh, the fans that we've come across in our time, and the people who now work for the Rangers that we're going to talk about in a second who this means so much to. And, and I think that that's really where I'm getting the most enjoyment as a neutral supporter. Because of course I'm happy for for the the Evaldes and Semians and Seekers who who won a World Series. Sometimes it's their first, sometimes it's their it's not, but it doesn't feel quite that same connection. And so that's why I've really kind of glommed onto the fans and their reaction like Jared Sandler who we heard from last episode.
1: So let's talk about those fans now. Jordan, who are the people you're
0: thinking of? Yeah. So, I, I, we have to mention one uh, before we get to the fans. I, I want to talk about Darren Wilman.
1: Who is who Darren Wilman? Who, Darren who Darren Willman? is Darren
0: Wilman? Well, if you listen to this show, you probably know what Baseball Savant is, or at least have heard of it. Um, we have baseball reference, we have fan graphs. Those have been a staple of our internet baseball experience for, for a long time. But Baseball Savant is something that came out a little bit later. It's technically existed since 2013, but has been a part of MLB since, I think, 2015 or 2016. And Darren Willman is a Texas gentleman who made this website happen. He basically, he is a programmer who basically made this website possible. The one that we now know and has become a very regular part of our experience. It is essentially the home of all of the StatCast information that we have in addition to so many other ball tracking, pitch tracking, all this thing, everything that we now accept as normal in our experience watching baseball and learning about baseball and understanding baseball, it is all because of that website. And that website, we were lucky enough to see the inner workings of at the very, very beginning stages because when we were taking road trips every summer while we were in college, one of our first road trips in 2014, we went to Texas and Darren just being a very nice person (laughs) who lived in spring Texas, let us stay with him at the time we hung out with him and he showed us the origins of baseball savant, the back, basically the back end of baseball savant, which at the time was just his laptop or a couple laptops that he was forming. Why are we talking about him now? The Rangers hired him uh, several years back and he's been their director, you know, of baseball development and research over the last few years. And I understand that you saw him on the field after the world series. And there's a picture of he tweeted, you know, with the world series trophy. And that is just an incredible, incredible thing. And so, makes me so happy because we know how awesome Darren is as a person, but also just kind of what it means to have that person, just a, just a dude with a laptop who managed to be a very important part of this Rangers organization. This is not a commentary on analytics or anything. This is a commentary on someone who just loved baseball and helped everybody love baseball and yeah. understand baseball in a better way.
1: And for him to to kind of have that moment is, is so, 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 so cool. So um, let me spin this a bit. So, One of the biggest issues that I have with our job is we don't get to win shit. And that is very self-serving. I understand that. There is no larger goal on the horizon for us. There is no Ws and Ls. There is no trophy that you get, right? And at least for me, having grown up playing baseball and having the college baseball experience where you are trying to win games to win a championship, there is something that I miss about that. And for Darren, who built Baseball Savant, Not to win anything, but to create a cool tool that could enhance people's appreciation of the sport, to see him have a moment like this holding the World Series trophy. I am to be honest, I am incredibly envious. You know what I mean? (laughs) That he He got to do both. And yeah, and like proud. And it, it is very cool to see someone like that holding the trophy to have won something, to have accomplished. The tangible, Mm -hmm. it is very beautiful to me, Mm -hmm. and I am very happy for Darren. I could not – he was so nice to us. I was 18, Mm -hmm. and you were 19 that summer, and I don't even know how it happened. I guess he just – I think, again, like early
0: baseball Twitter, like it was a smaller space where – there was just we just connected. I mean, of course, he was he, a former D three player. I'm sure that helped. Yeah, <laughs> um, he was like
1: just stay on our couch. Yeah, like we stayed in his couch yeah. on his couch and I in his playing, house.
0: Yeah, we played NHL uh, 2000, uh, 2010. Like I remember because we were just traveling with <laughs> the Xbox 360 copy of NHL 2010, and I just remembered. And I remember him showing me. It's like it's like this was. It it felt like magic at the time. Let alone think about what that website has become now that we use it every day yeah. and, how powerful it is now you know almost 10 years later is is kind of overwhelming and i'm sure he's still very proud of that um and i'm sure he's had a, a massive impact on on the rangers organization for over the last you know five years since he's worked there and so just it's so cool and he's some and it's also ironic too right because i'm like 90 percent sure he grew up an astros
1: fan like <laughs> and like so Evaldi.
0: yeah and so right 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 and i'm sure for him and I remember at the time when the Rangers hired him, it was like, oh my God, that's so funny that the Astros didn't. Like you would think of all the teams that would want to bring him in, but no, it was Texas. And and credit to to John Daniels, who uh, I, I'm sure had a, a a big part in that, but at the time when he was still there, is I think a big part of that too. Um, so that's just one. Uh, but as we just mentioned, you know, Darren wasn't necessarily a fan growing up. He's of course become a part of the team. But just seeing these, these you know, some fans that, that we know of, you know, Lana Berry, if you listen to our OG, you know, Cespedes family barber cast, uh, Lana Berry is is was our probably the first Rangers fan that we really knew. She's not very online anymore, and that's a, a different thing, but I remember talking to her in the fresh years after 2011, like that was a huge part of her, you know, baseball Twitter experience and identity. How many toes, how many titles? How many to, right? Exactly. Finally now more more uh, more titles than toes. Uh, man, some people are really not going to know what that reference <laughs> means. But but I'm also thinking about Rangers fans that we've kind of just encountered online. Um, people like Jamie Newberg, reading his stuff this postseason has been incredible. Uh, I think he's he's someone, I don't know if we've, I guess I've ever encountered him in person, but he's uh, just reading his Rangers fan experience as, as a lifelong fan has been really cool. Like there's just people like this is a clearly a, a, as I mentioned, there's a lot of people that grew up in this area. And so these are people that we've seen online for a
1: long time. When we were recording our pod the other night, mm-hmm. I got a phone call in the middle of it from Master Tesfacion, mm-hmm. who uh, is a lifelong Dallas dude, mm-hmm. and he was like, I'm in Phoenix, come party! And it's was <laughs> like, bro, I have to do a podcast and then write, but I hope you have a phenomenal time.
0: Master's a good one. Um, I mean, Chris Wimmer is a scouting friend that we've seen uh, that's been a big part of that. Like Just some hilarious baseball Twitter people like Nick Pants. Uh, oh. okay. Nick Nick Pants, who was like one of the f- our favorite baseball Twitter people ten years ago, disappeared. Was like offline for years, and now is back and is tweeting about the Rangers. Again, these are like kind of niche references, but it did remind me of like how relevant the Rangers were yeah. in our early parts of our baseball experience. And then for to kind of go in the dark days and then come back out on the other side is is, is very clear uh, during this time. Speaking of the early
1: parts of our baseball experience, Bruce Bochy deserves mm-hmm. a bit more time hmm Let's talk about Bruce. Four rings. Yeah.
0: Four rings, and to do it now with a second team is really— But the really... job's not finished, Jordan. Oh,
1: sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't tell— Apparently, it wasn't. Bruce Bochy, great example of— it seemed like the job was finished. He was. Like he was. he was done. And then he was like, oh, actually, let me come he back. We got a phone call from Evan
1: Carter. Evan Carter called Bruce Bochy and said, is that job finished, really? Is it really yeah. finished, Bruce? you sure about that?
0: Um, yeah, so— I think him getting to four and it's a very small list of managers that have gotten to four titles, but the key thing here is all the ones that have before did it with the Yankees <laughs> basically most of them did it almost exclusively with the Yankees. And for Bochy to do this, I mean, not that he had anything to prove as we said, uh, but for it to just happen right away for everything we heard over the season. Yeah. He's the perfect guy for this. Same way we heard from about dusty last year. And that's true. But think about how many, you know, dusty, you know, had 2020 and 2021 and these close calls, not to mention, of course, all of his close calls before Dusty had great teams before, as I, in a different way that we say it about Evan Carter, it's not supposed to be this easy. And yet Bruce Bochy made this look easy. And of course, it's about the players, right? But he really did instill a level of confidence that I felt through the TV. I mean, I was never worried because he was never worried. I've never seen someone less concerned at any point for a team that blew more saves than they converted. And he was like, yeah, I'm chilling. What's the big deal? I'm Bruce Bochy. I know what I'm doing,
1: and here we go. In the same way the Diamondbacks won that National League because they were playing with house money the whole time, so was Bruce Bochy. Yeah. He did not need this fourth one, okay? Yeah. He was at home, content, happy. And if he had lost the World Series, it would have not changed his legacy one little bit. And so he was not concerned because he did not need to be.
0: Yeah, but I do love that in the way that you just kind of talked about kind of the the urge to compete, it sounds like he missed that. And when yeah. he went and managed for France in the WBC qualifiers in Germany, apparently that was a big part where he was like, wow, I like being in the dugout, caring about whether my team wins or loses. Like That was a feeling that he missed. And clearly the Rangers capitalized on that and were like, great. Here's a team that you can win a lot with can't guarantee a world series, but it's like, if you're missing that feeling, this is a good team to come back and do that with. And so of course, credit to Chris Young for, for making that happen and and credit for Bruce Bochy for being willing to come back and complete a job that he did not need to do. I have one edit.
1: Mm -hmm. Don't make this man walk out to the mound anymore. (laughs) Okay. Don't. He was making himself going out of the mound. He was making so many
0: unnecessary trips in the way that, it felt like he was making a point. It it literally felt like after we talked about
1: that, he was like, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> so here's a story. I don't know if I told you this story. On the morning of game five, friend of ours, Jesse Rogers at ESPN, texted me and said, come swing by the hotel where all the ESPN people are staying and let's play some pickleball. He was like, I have my racket. Come by. I was like, bet. And Jesse Rogers said, What's bet mean? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I come by and I played pickleball. It was me, Jesse, a friend of ours who is an editor at ESPN, mm-hmm. Eduardo Perez, mm-hmm. and his wife. Perfect, <laughs> just the squad. five of us. Pickleball continuing pick- to sweep the nation. Just pickling it up, and we're pickling. And on the way to the pickleball court, I walked by Marcus Semien and his family. And so I realized, oh, well, the Rangers are staying here. Mm-hmm. And then I walked by a couple Spurs employees and I realized, oh, well, Victor Wembenyama is also staying here. That's hilarious. Did not see him. Okay. And then we're playing pickleball and we see this golf cart go by. And riding on the back of this golf cart alone is Bruce Bochi on his way to the bus to go to the stadium. And it's like, if this dude is requiring the use of a golf cart to move across this resort. Like, can we not make him walk out to the mound, please? Or let's use the bullpen cart for him. I don't know if that
0: existed in any of these uh, ballparks, but like we never thought about that for managers that he gets to drive. Oh, dude, that's so funny. Like a manager driving out to, to the mound to like pick up the pitcher and to, 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 to yank him for the game is an incredible scene. Bochy strolls out there. He's like, hop in. You're done. <laughs> Him doing that to Chapman 17 times in October is amazing.
1: <laughs> but it was great. Like I would just play pickleball. i turn around and see the golf cart go by. And like Bochy's sitting on the back facing the other way. Mm-hmm. Like with his, his enormous body just curled up in the back of the golf cart. And it's like, this man's going to win the World Series today. Yeah. Oh, wait. Let me return to pickleball. I will say
0: like, yeah, Bruce Bochy, large. Large and in charge. And in charge. Um, I remember... Very much in charge. Like Chris Young, large and in charge. That seems to be the theme of Rangers ownership. I will say, like, I remember when... Again, when the Rangers were in Cincy earlier this year, which, by the way, like, (laughs) reflecting on that, this is, like, May and... Or, sorry, April. Cincinnati, a random Tuesday in April. And the Rangers lost. They got swept. Got walked off twice. Like, Cole Reagans blew a game. (laughs) In the bullpen, I remember having lunch with, with Kennedy Landry and just talking about this team, like, and this is when the Rangers were playing, like they obviously had a hot start. Their offense was great, but we were just like talking about like, this team is such a mess. And at the time, like listening to Bruce Bochy, who after those losses was like almost getting nervous, but he was like, yeah, baseball, you know, this is just part of it. Blah, 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 blah. And for him to then do that for the entire season, all the way to the very end, all the way to Jose Altuve ripping their hearts out. And at no point was he worried. Because like you said, what's the difference? <laughs> I'm Bruce
1: Bochy. I'm fine. I got nothing to prove. Let's talk about the Diamondbacks. Yes. They did not answer back. They <sighs> did their best. No, definitely not in game five. Oh, no. No, no. What a um, run.
0: This team was was pretty amazing. And I hope that when we think about the the underdog stories that we've had, you know, go on these runs to the World Series – I think, you know, quick to think about the Rockies run um, that ended getting swept and just, you know, embarrassed uh, by the Red Sox and whatnot. But, like, this team, like, proved a lot. I think that the way we think about them will probably depend somewhat on how the careers of Corbin Carroll and Zach Gallen continue to unfold, both for the Diamondbacks and in general. Moreno. Um, And Moreno, for sure. Uh, because will it feel like a missed opportunity? Is this going to become a perennial contender? I think there's a lot of parts of this roster that we don't know quite enough yet to know that for sure. But at the same time, like this was an an unbelievable, unbelievable achievement. And there's the way that they won and the way that they competed in these earlier rounds and, and just, just beasting these teams like the, just kicking the Dodgers ass, just absolutely embarrassing the Dodgers. And then having the resiliency to beat the Phillies in that series, I am not going to forget that for a long time, regardless of whether they lost um, to the to the Rangers here in five games. I mean that it really was a, a memorable postseason run um, in a lot of ways.
1: And they weren't that good. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't take away from any of it. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, mm-hmm. they weren't that good. They weren't that talented. We saw that in Game Four when they didn't have a fourth starter. Mm-hmm. This team won 84 games and had a negative run differential during the regular season. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they were flawed when they had to get deep into October. Like, duh. However, like that irrational self-belief to win games despite that, Mm -hmm. to think that you are good, even though you won 84 games, to have that level of confidence is so impressive. And Tory Lovello deserves so much credit for getting his dudes pulling the rope in the same direction. That was
0: the last thing I wanted to say. I don't know how much you saw from Lovello, Lovello's postgame, and just listening to that, but... I mean, it's, it's honestly, I think, the most emotional losing manager I've seen in a, in a really long time. Um, and, of course, that is a, there's a lot that goes with that because when you go on a ride, an unexpected ride like that, of course, he always believed in his guys, but he also knows how unlikely it was to get this far and to, and to still get this close, even losing in five games. And so to see how he reacted, I mean, he was, he was devastated in a way. And the, the words that he used to describe what it felt like to lose felt unique. And that's not that other losing managers haven't cared, but oftentimes other losing managers, if you're Rob Thompson, you're like, our team's going to be fucking awesome next year. Like, what's the big deal? Even last year. Even last year, right? And in this case, it's not that Lavelle's like, oh, we missed this chance, but like to have it all come to an end after such an unbelievable stretch is has to just be so draining. And and so overwhelming, and I think that was really on display. But I was impressed. Lavello raised this stock so much. I think he so much of what he did impressed me during the game. You know, between games, everything about him, I, I was really a huge fan of, and and makes me really want to you know hope that they can you know keep this moving in the right direction, uh, moving forward in twenty twenty four. And I think they can. There's there's still certainly plenty
1: to like about this roster. Um, so D backs, we salute you. Ratings were bad. Let's talk on this for a second. The ratings for the World Series on the television machine. We're as low as they've been in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Does that matter? Are we worried and why? I mean, I don't like this is The thing. I just don't really know what I'm supposed to do with this
0: information. Like we kind of sensed that this was going to be the case coming into it. And then it was. And so I, I don't think individual ratings in one world series is going to drastically change. Like what the TV deals are going to look like for future networks. Like it's not about that. Everybody knows that what the world series matchup is is unpredictable and whatever. And so it's not going to, I don't think it's going to make a difference for how much Fox yeah. or ESPN or whatever is going to want to pay for rights, whatever. Like, yeah, you could say, oh, no, this, not as many people watched our sport at the top of, at the
1: championship level.
0: That's not good. Like, I guess, but I would I, I be just, more worried
1: if yeah. ratings were down all year and ratings yeah. were up all year. Yeah. And the reason that ratings were down in, and attendance. And the reason that ratings were down in the World Series is simply because these two teams, don't have a lot of pull beyond their specific markets. Yeah. And there were no transcendent superstars on either of these teams to draw people in. And that's, you know, that's not our problem because we're in, we're going to watch whether, who no matter who's in it, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't care. Yeah. But I do understand, it's important to understand why they're down. However, it does not really concern me just because of of what they're going to be Moving forward. And like, if you look at the World Series participants the last 10 years, this is really the first time there's no huge draw. Mm -hmm. And so we've been working with a kind of a different scale.
0: Yeah, but it's fine. Again, like it's always going to be a small sample. Like who we end up with, and it did require a historic underdog to get us to this point. And yeah. I, I think that came. I think that was a good thing, still, in in a lot of ways. But if you want to judge it based on this one thing, TV ratings, which who even knows what that even means anymore in 2023 like why is that even a measure that we're so concerned with to begin with of course we want more people to watch uh, the sport we love but it, it just is not it just does not concern me that much at all it just doesn't mean much
1: and that is the end of the email we were told to read by our employers at Fox yep. okay let's <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding let's uh wrap this up jordan yes so i'm curious uh, yeah. just to talk about before we get out of here our world series experiences sure or our playoff experiences. You and I had very different months. You have been in that chair the whole time. I am very thankful to be back in the chair at my desk that I'm sitting in. You did not travel this month. Mm -hmm. I am curious how you experienced all of this from your cockpit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think for me,
0: it's just like, and I had the same experience last year, just like, it's just a matter of being able to, it's really about more of the earlier rounds. And I think I know... Having done it in 21, like I know how much the travel impacts, you know, the exhaustion of covering the games.
1: And like and how, I barely yeah. watched the ALCS. Mm-hmm. Like I did not get to watch a lot of the ALCS this year.
0: Yeah. You know. Which that sucks because that was, was incredible. Sick. That was incredible stuff, right? And so being able to follow everything and even in the earlier rounds to get to, you know, consume every game, game to game to game to game is, 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 is helps me kind of have a holistic understanding of, of what these teams were doing. And especially a team like the Diamondbacks and a team like the Rangers and understanding, like I wasn't that surprised by the time they got there because I had watched almost every pitch yeah. that they've experienced and I'd seen how good Josh Spores and Jose Leclerc had been. And so it was less of a shock when I get to the world series and I'm seeing them do it again. So I think that helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course there's still part of me that wishes I could be more intimately involved, but you know, it's just not how it worked out this year.
1: I really struggled at points this year to balance maintaining my appreciation for the whole thing while not sleeping. I don't I'm never going to sit here and complain about getting to follow postseason baseball for a month. Like I don't want people to think that that's what I'm doing or even uh, conveying an ounce of that. I am incredibly lucky, incredibly fortunate. I wouldn't trade it for the world and I got to watch 18 October ballgames. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. You know, that's really a lovely thing. However, there are moments where you're like, wow, I just want to be in my own bed. Wow, I really want to see my fiance. Wow, I would love to, you know, eat a meal I cooked. You know, and balancing those two things is very odd because then you feel the guilt of like, why am I, un- un- am I ungrateful? Right? Am, am I rooting for a swift end to this series so that I can go home? What kind of baseball fan does that make me? What would you know me five years ago say to the idea that I'm rooting for a five game series? Mm-hmm. And so that has been odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and juggling that has been very weird and for yeah. me this much. I mean, I would say that even extends, you know, to my experience
0: to some degree in terms of just writing responsibilities and covering yeah. each series and knowing that, oh, if this team wins then then you got to write this and you got to do this. And like, we're so lucky to get to do that. Like that's, right. that is never lost on us. <laughs> but when it does d- d- directly impact your schedule for the day, let alone in your case, your travel and, and how yeah. being away from home, all those things like, yeah, it's
1: a real thing. Um, but again, I like, mean, here's an example, yeah. right? Um, let's compare NLCS game two, the 10-0 blowout with World Series game one, the walk-off. When there's a walk off, which is incredible and awesome, and I'm at the yard and I have to write, I'm rewriting the entirety of my story after the last out. And that means that you're working for an extra two hours, two and a half hours after last out. Whereas in the 10-0 blowout, I went and got dinner. And I was, you know what I mean? And I was like, I was like asleep by 1130. And so like those two things are like, I should be rooting for the incredible world series walk-off, but there are all these other incentives at play that are, you know, pushing me in another direction. And then I'm like, why am I rooting for this? I'm an asshole. Like I should want the baseball game to be incredible. I feel like I landed in a good spot with it. Um, and I'm proud of the work I was able to do. And I, I look around the press box at times and I see myself becoming more of the ball writer grump than I ever thought I would be. But then I remember that I'm not even close to a lot of these people, (laughs) uh, many of whom are friends, and that my love for the sport endures um, and is heightened by the experience of getting to be around that much. So I'm very fortunate, very lucky, and very thankful for all of you, the listeners, and all of you, the readers, who get to uh, give us the opportunity to do this for a living.
0: Yes. Agreed on that. Uh, and uh, we will cut it off here and wish everyone a wonderful weekend. There's a ton of news. Like I'm already in off season mode. I'm working on free agent rankings for Fox. Like I, I am not like Rangers. Congratulations. We're moving on now. (laughs) And so I know there's a ton of stuff already, some signings and options and all this stuff. We will be back next week and we'll be in full off season mode. I'm very excited to do that. Um, but you will have to wait till next week.
1: Make sure you rate and review. If you have any questions about Sam Hilliard being claimed off waivers by the Orioles, you can email us baseballbarbacast at gmail.com.
0: Did that just happen? Yes. Oh, my God. See, again, I have so many thoughts, but we'll save it. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Chris Tyler, for producing. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Series XM Podcasts.